okay. Okay, Sydney, I think I got it figured out. Um, all right, I put up some more bear traps around the chimney uh, and the windows. You can never be too sure. Uh, I put out a plate of cookies to lure him into a false sense of trust, but I laced them with um, laxative. I probably should have just used sleeping powder, but I thought laxative would send a more cruel message. Um, uh, have you talked to your dog about uh, better awareness for if Santa's around? Uh, no, but I suppose it's a good thing I now know about the laxatives, just in case my dog eats them. Right, right. Um, well, I also had your dog sniff um, a bit of Santa's robe that I got ripped off when me and him tumbled over that mountain. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that fight got really brutal. Ugh, you know, I like I don't like being like this. I don't, I don't like being this scroogey. You know, um, I don't know. What's uh, what's up with you? Wait, what were we doing? I'm just trying to figure out where this conversation is going. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Oh, crap, we're recording. Right, the thing we do. Uh, right, uh, yeah. Uh, hold on, I got it, I got it. Uh, <clears throat> and if he is going to go out to avoid seeing his family during the holidays, he best bring his headphones. Decrease the surplus podcast cue. Okay, okay. I appreciate <laughs> your choice of quote there. First of all, wait, we just went all the way around the block to arrive here, and we acknowledge right. how indirectly we have arrived at this at this place. For you to just give a direct quote from the film. Yep, I can turn it on that easily, ma'am. And, like, run that by me again? Excuse me? He... Say, say, say it again? <laughs> If they are going to avoid their family by going for long walks during the holidays, they best bring their headphones. Decrease the surplus podcast queue. Okay, okay, got, okay. Like a lot of podcasts. That was a thinker, I'll be honest. I like yeah. truly didn't understand what you were trying to say, but now I do. Well, we're talking about Dickens here, Barkley. I got to class up the joint a little bit. Right, right. But I was like, decrease the surplus podcast queue. That's a lot of words. Anyway... Welcome to the Disney Nest, <laughs> everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And we have a very special holiday-themed Carter's Never Seen. Today is a very exciting episode because it happens to be one of my favorite films randomly. This is actually one of my favorite Christmas movies. We are covering... A Christmas Carol, Disney's A Christmas Carol, which came out in 2009. This is the one with Jim Carrey playing every role. <laughs> yes, this is the Jim Carrey-led Robert Zemeckis uh, uh, motion capture animated film, A Christmas Carol. Um, you know, you know what's wild? Yes, what? I only found out this year that this is one of your favorite movies. And it didn't surprise me, only because, <laughs> like, you are the master of the most, like, unexpected favorite <laughs> movies. Uh, one of our earliest talking points was how you love the, um, how you really love the Alice in, what, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, that was, yeah, I, I guess I do like those. I, yeah, we haven't talked about that in a while. That was more of, like, my, that's my, like, my mom's favorite movie, but I, but I also just enjoy it but that's one of those I seem to have a lot of films that like 
I really enjoy, but then I later learn that most other people don't. <laughs> yes, that conventional wisdom is like, oh, this was poo. Yeah, people... It's gotten to the point where you could say you like any movie, and I just like, yep, mm-hmm, whatever, bud. I mean, I don't... It's, you know, I don't know. Because it's like, surely I have good taste otherwise. I don't know why I just like this film. Like, I don't know. Right. I like this well, film. I, yes, and I was kind of excited when it dawned on me that I've never actually watched it all the way through. Like, this sort of, like, stop motion, or this motion capture era of Zemeckis, I very much was like, oh, I don't need to see these. They're garbage. Especially after seeing Polar Express and being but like, that I is, hate this. that is such a dude bro way of thinking. Like, honestly, I sort of have, like, it, it was weird to me that you hadn't seen the film just because of, like, how much up until this point you sort of, like, dunk on it. And I'm like, wait, you actually haven't watched it? Like, you're sort of, your legitimacy points had gone down at that point. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I'll admit that really was one of my, like, snobby takes where it's like, oh, you haven't even given it a chance? Because I've given Polar Express a chance, and I've given most of Beowulf a chance. And I gave Welcome to Marwin a chance, which is a hybrid live action mm. and this. Um, I didn't which, even give that, that one a chance. Uh, unhinged. Uh, one of those movies that's so insane, when you watch it the second time, your brain warps to accept the reality of it. It's like, well, right. yeah, this is how this movie works. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's This is Marwin. Yeah. But, it, yeah, I'm excited way. to do this episode because, like, I don't know. I like when we get to have contrarian opinion. Like, I like when we go against... You know, there's not a lot of opportunities to go against the grain in terms of film discussion. Right. Um, so I'm excited to kind of talk about this. Me too. So just like last time we did uh, a Sydney's Never Seen with Over the Garden Wall, I get to ask you questions now about your viewing experience watching this film, which, by the way, did I mention, it's like one of my favorites. You know, can I just say, like, everybody has, in my defense, because I'm already, like, on like on the defense here. Yeah. Everybody has, like, their favorite food that is essentially just, like, warmed up shit, right? Like. Easy there. Well, <laughs> like, but yes. Right. Okay, great. So it's like, I'm allowed to like this movie without it, like, being excellent cinema. I don't like it because it is Citizen Kane. I just like it because I fucking like it. Like, but anyway. Do you want to know? I have a funny story. Do you want to know something? You're going to lose your mind when I tell you this. Before we get into the questions, I have to tell you how I was introduced to this movie. Because okay. I never actually saw it in theaters. Um, I, <laughs> you're going to think this is insane. We showed this movie when it came out on DVD. My mom and I like thought, oh, this would, let's get this. And we showed it to the kids at my church. <laughs> Oh my god. And we had no clue. Like, I, and you know what's so funny? I actually have a really vivid memories of the sort of advertising that they were doing for this film at the time. Yes. They were really heavy on the motion capture aspect mm. of this film. Really heavy on the Jim Carrey stuff. Why not? It's Jim Carrey. Right. And that's the whole he's on the po his that's name the selling is point. It's like, yeah, above. It's, like, it's Jim Carrey's Carol. Christmas Carol. Yeah. Not Christmas Carol. And so, but I remember, especially on Disney Channel, there being a lot of advertisements for, like, leading up to this film. And I can, like, vividly remember sort of this this year 
and for some reason I just hadn't gotten around to like I, I never bothered to see it in theaters so like none of the ads really indicate what is actually going to happen in this movie yes I will say I, I, I the, a brief point yes I definitely remember they advertised the hell out of this movie this was a big play for them right um, it was like a big play at their shareholder meeting like they used to just do you know those shareholder meetings that we talked about where they have like everyone come up and be like and here is the next movie we're working on yeah you know before they made that like a televised fan thing you know Mm -hmm. they still did them and this was like the big play they had Zemeckis come out and be like it's going to be the most accurate version of Christmas Carol we can do all this cool stuff and apparently he said something along the lines of and I know a little something about time travel movies and everyone was like yay Um, wow okay there was also a big push for them because really Disney doesn't have like it's definitive Christmas movie to the point where adapting Dickens like it feels kind of obvious like, how have they not... How did they not do this during their, like, animated phase when they were working on stuff like Don Quixote and, like, you know, they're experimenting with different stories? Like, right. how did they not do this when they were doing, like, Sleepy Hollow? Well, you know, I think, like... And this is another point that I want to make about this, about my appreciation for this film in particular, is that, like, I have never been interested in the story of A Christmas Carol until this mm-hmm. film, because as I mentioned to you previously, like, every iteration of this film is the exact same. <laughs> like... I mean, with they're Mc- not wholly wrong. They are. Like, yeah. they're all cartoonish, even the ones with, like, Bill Murray. Like, they're all... They're all sort of, like, an American's idea of what, like, cogni English people are. And Which is why it works with the Muppets. Because exactly. the Muppets are inherently a parody but it's like i think up until this point it's always been the most boring christmas story for me really? and that is because like <laughs> yeah i i was i had zero interest in a christmas carol before this film came out and so it's like yeah this was kind of reserved for like mickey mouse like that was disney's only other iteration and, and the right. muppets is that just right. it being a mickey mouse cartoon that they did once Yes. Well, I will say, while we're on this topic, before we get into, like, the interview part of this, um, Mm -hmm. I did think about, I started to think about this as I was watching the movie, and there's a lot of discussion as, like, a book snob who works at a bookstore, uh um, there's a lot of discussion about the canon, like, sort of the iconic writers who we've put on, like, the pedestal as, like, the definitive art creators of the art form, and how it's very male-centric, it's very white-centric, like, basically that mural at Barnes & Noble where they're all hanging out at the cafe, it's, like, one black right. person and one woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and one black woman. Um, and everyone's always like, ugh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, uh, James Joyce, sad white boys. And I'm like, no, I actually think they contribute something. If there's one guy I'm putting on my shit list, it's actually Dickens. I'm not a fan of Dickens. Why? I just, every single one of his, like, quote-unquote classics does nothing for me. I just, like, I never really got into Great Expectations. Tale of Two Cities I didn't get into, which is a problem, because I love French history and the French Revolution. Mm. Uh, Like, and just, in general, that man was paid by the word, and every single one of his goddamn books fucking feels like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I might agree with that point. I mean, I like Christmas Carol the most, because I'm like, at least it's a ghost story. At least it's the first ghost story in history. Right, exactly. Okay. 
let's talk let's talk yes. Christmas Carol so you know we already sort of covered my first point which I wanted to know like your preconceived like before having watched it for the sake of this podcast like what was your idea of this film you know it's interesting because I'd seen people review it like I've watched reviews of it I've listened to podcast episodes that talk about it and like I sort of had the very generic bullet points of like oh the stop motion or the I keep wanting to say stop motion. Yeah. The motion capture is creepy. Why did Zemeckis try and push this boulder up a hill? Uh, like, it looks terrible. And, like, that's all I really knew about it. No one ever really debated it on the merits, other than making the comment of it's not very funny. Which I'm like, well, I don't remember Christmas Carol being that funny. Why would it be funny? Because Jim Carrey's in it? But I think that's the problem. Like, people go in expecting it to be, like, the com- a comedic version of Christmas Carol. Which it most certainly is not. No, it's very far from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, like, I feel it's... That entire generation of motion capture movies very much, like... I realized, like... Every review I've seen of them, every discussion, they never actually talk about the quality of the movie. Which I think is Mm. why I got excited to watch it, because I'm like, oh, let's actually... Okay. Yes, we all know the motion capture's rough around the edges. It looks like a... You know... It has the same problem that PlayStation 3 games had, where it's like, oh, we are not ready to jump to, like, photorealism. Hyper-realism, uh, yeah. Yes. Okay, so um, that, that leads me into my next point for you, which is, of all of the criticism, I mean, you kind of led right into it, but of the criticism that this movie gets, which, by the way, I recently kind of popped on to Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm like, okay, the discourse here, like, isn't as severe as I thought it was it's right. kind of split down the middle it's got a 56 percent mm. audience score yeah and it's a six out of ten uh right. it's like people aren't like vomiting in their seats when they see this movie yeah but people like really didn't turn on this until mars needs moms which zemeckis didn't direct but his company did and that's when everyone was like fuck this by that's the way Disney's like we're not giving you another penny for this right cancel your beatles or your yellow submarine adaptation you're done yeah um, but I was going to ask, like, now that you have seen it, do you think it it deserves its, like, dismissal? See, this is much too interesting a film to be dismissed. That's what I think kind of bothers me a little bit, going back and reading all these reviews that just focus on the motion capture. Mm-hmm. It is a weird film. And, like, <laughs> a lot of people have turned on Zemeckis over the years, but the thing is... I, don't, I wouldn't call him a hack. He is much too interesting a filmmaker to make a hack. Even when he misfires, it's interesting. And this movie is utterly fascinating. Like, there are big, bold, creative decisions here beyond just the technology used to capture it. And I, I feel like... I wouldn't say I think it's a good movie, but I think it's a movie we need to have a more nuanced discussion about in terms of how it approaches A Christmas Carol. Again, a story that's been done a thousand times. Mm-hmm. The choices it makes are very interesting. Okay, so just dive into the deep end for me. Like, why wouldn't you say it's a good movie? For me, it falls into a camp of movies. Movies I kind of love talking about where... You can almost see the sort of quote-unquote perfect version or the better version based on their approach. Like, you can see what the ideas were, and it just fumbles during some of the execution. Because I really appreciate this film for 
like, I guess I would argue, like, every single thing it does, it's kind of imperfect at doing, but the intent was good. So, for example, like, I actually kind of like their approach for the animation style, because for the most part, they try to make it a little more cartoony. This isn't like Polar Express, where they were going for more of, like, accurate physical representations of people. Like, mm-hmm. they let characters be, have sort of more cartoony proportions, cartoony faces, cartoony motions, but I feel like they didn't commit 100% to it. Um, mm. An example, like, for example, The Adventures of Tintin is a similar movie that has photorealistic textures, but they go all in on the cartoony look, so mm-hmm. it looks better. I think it's so close where if they just turned a slider a little bit to the cartooniness, I think it would be great. Um, or, like, the horror elements. I think the horror elements are really, really strong, but they ca- occasionally get drowned out by, like, weird attempts at humor or, like, these sort of, like, more cartoony antics of, like, oh, chase sequences or, oh, we're flying. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, fall- it has that trap... I think we talked about this with Pinocchio, where it's, like, the movie actually gets to, like, interesting, compelling emotions pretty frequently, but then Zemeckis gets so caught up in his, like, playing with the toys and being so excited that he has these cool toys to play with that he does these really manic, like, crazy action scenes where I'm like, is this 100% necessary? I feel like this doesn't go with, like the ghost of Christmas present literally turning into a freaking skeleton on screen and laughing as he fades away. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, for, I'm, I actually sort of agree with that. Um, there are scenes in this that are like almost uncomfortable to watch because of it's like just for brief moments, the cartooniness is cranked to 100. Like for example, like the Fezziwig scene. Um, yes. Where they're dancing where and they're dancing they're pro- and they're like flying. just, suddenly like yeah the physics is different and that that is a scene that's always been like okay yeah we are just playing with the toys now and this really does not fit the the groundedness of the rest of the film right and i'm like you had to pick a lane either lean into the cartooniness right like acknowledge because like there's a version where the chase scenes were like the chase scene where he's like running through the streets and getting smaller and smaller as the ghost of christmas future is chasing him on horseback right there's a version of this where that works, because I like the idea of, like, oh, um, oh, like, you know, the whole point of these ghosts showing up is this dude needs to get slapped around a little yeah. bit. Like, he's mm-hmm. got to get put through the ringer. Like, him getting shot into the sky and thrown through the air and going through pipes, that's just how they're going to do it. Right. He's going to get <laughs> wrecked. You know what scene I think perfectly, like, is a better example of, like, how they could have balanced it? Hmm. Where his partner, where Marley comes back. Because that scene, for me, that scene kind of captures the, the weird tone that this movie needed to take. You know, the the scene, that scene with Marley is is what I think made me, like, fall in love with this movie. Because I think it, ever, like, frame by frame, it really captures how utterly terrifying this experience would be to have in real life. Gross. Like, the sound design... It's all like it's it's just bone chilling. The the scene where he's like sitting in this in his chair and you can hear the chains being like dragged up the stairs, like from the mm. other side of this door. Like you have this sense they somehow perfectly capture the sense of like um helplessness that this man has, even though he's got like f- 
five locks on his bedroom door. Like, he has this sense of dread of, like, there's nothing I... Like, someone is coming into my house. Someone's already right. here. And it's like, and what the fuck is, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, what is making that sound and dragging chains through my house? Like, that's awful. And And that's what I love about this film is that, like, this experience, as cartoony as every other version of this film is, like... If this were to literally happen, this would be awful. <laughs> right. It has that goosebumps energy where I'm like, reading it, it feels silly. But imagine sitting here and having this shit happen to you right. in real time, just having to experience it. And like, what I love about this scene is it does balance. It's the one spot where like, they manage to balance horror and cartooniness really, really well in a way that's grotesque. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think people are mad about this movie because they were expecting like a Jim Carrey comedy. It's like. No, 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 no. He was brought. He wasn't brought in because he's funny. He was brought in because he's a very good character he's gifted, actor and can yeah. play a lot of characters. Yes, he's a man of a lot of different faces. So, this scene and like when the comedy works, it has this weird, like unnerving, unnerved, unnervedness to it, where it's like this ghost jaw like breaks falls and he off. starts talking by flapping by <laughs> picking it up. Meanwhile. <laughs> Scrooge is having this comedy of manners, like... Yeah, can you please you have a seat, sitting sir? Down, please? <laughs> or, like, could they all just come at once and expedite the process? Like, that's <laughs> what I'm cracking up, because I'm like, this is insane. Right. Like, it has this great Victorian energy of, like, politeness overruling everything, even <laughs> as, like, cosmic horrors are coming to your door. Right. Exactly. And I will say, after that scene, I did have a moment where I'm like, crap, am I going to have to eat crow and, like... <laughs> tell Sydney I think this is great and then the rest of the movie happens I'm kind of like eh, I can see why people would like this movie but right okay so, well so that leads me into like like give me give me a handful of like what are some more of the moments that sold it for you like what are some of your favorite instances throughout the film do you have a favorite um, ghost I have a favorite ghost. It's a ghost of Christmas present. I think I told you that. Yeah, it's probably ghost of Christmas present because, again, it captures, like, the weird energy where he's just cackling the entire time. It's unnerving. Like, like is he drunk? Is he, like, going crazy? Like, what's yeah. this guy's Does deal? it hurt? How does yes. he make it look painful? <laughs> right? Like, he just can't stop laughing. And you're like, could you just calm down for one second? No. Yeah. And then, like, his face morphs into Scrooge's for a minute. And... I love that scene. Yes, and I think a lot of what interests me about this movie is sitting down and being like, okay, why did he choose to make it like this? Why did he use yes. the digital technology? And on one hand, it seems like, and like, I'm sorry I'm going into like obnoxious film history here, but so remember the movie Castaway, the one with the volleyball? Uh, yes. So they had to stop filming that halfway through so Tom Hanks could lose all the weight to make it look like he'd actually been stuck on an island for months. Okay. Um, and, like, apparently Zemeckis just really annoyed. Like, he's like, God, this is so annoying that we have to, like, drag this out. Like, I can't just... And a part... And at the risk of psychoanalyzing, a part of why he seemed to get really into this, it's like, oh, I can make anything. Anything I want. Like, I can just, mm. you know, completely... You know, I don't have to... You know, it'll be cheaper, it'll be simpler. There's not the human element. Right. And there are times where you're like, oh, I can see why. Because you can make these huge sweeping vistas of Victorian England or like you can have one guy play multiple roles and literally like morph into them right like 
I will say to Zemeckis' credit, he does use this technology to make weird, like, the best use of this technology is weirdly cats, where it's like, no, make weird shit that yeah. can't exist outside of this technology. Like, don't yeah. try to create photorealism. Try to make supernatural shit. Um, like, when the ghost of Christmas um, past just, like, starts morphing its face into all the faces of every person he knows. Exactly. Stuff like that. To this um, day, I actually don't fucking understand why he does that. <laughs> I don't understand right. a lot of why the Ghost of Christmas Past does most of what he does. He just starts dancing weirdly, like, when he's yes. like, meets Scrooge when he starts, like, doing this dance. And Scrooge is, like, that, that moment is just for everyone, including Ebenezer Scrooge, to be like, excuse me, what the fuck are you? Yes, like... No, and I, I think the movie works when it's in this weird space of like, what is going on? Like, who, what's everyone's <laughs> play here? What is it? What what are you what are you thinking in this moment? Right. Um, I I think this is one of the better versions of like him getting dragged into his own grave. I love oh. like how big everything is. Like the animation also again it works because it lets you play with size. It lets you play with this weird sort of expressionist graveyard where like it's snow lightning. Like, everything around him is all pitch black. Mm-hmm. And then there's a great moment where you finally see the skull face on the Ghost of Christmas. Right. Like, I think that is one of the best versions of that where I'm like, oh, this is some, like, Lovecraftian horror stuff right here. Right. And I guess my other little moment that I really, really like is um, it's after Tiny Tim dies and his father's going up the stairs. Ooh, that one. And Scrooge is sitting there and he's forced to just look at this man who just looks... Who he abuses so every day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, this is what frustrates me because that's an incredible performance. It's incredible that you were able to get that performance out of this, like, still new technology. Right. But this technology that's not 100% there you were able to get that much raw human emotion out of it is genuinely affecting. Like that moment got like that messed me up for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, I think some of my favorite moments of this film, like even though I like the weird stuff is what hooks me and like keeps me coming back mm-hmm. to this film. But I do love I just love all of these elements of like 17th century uh, sentiment and, and life. Like I mm-hmm. That's like I think I told you like I think I just like Victorian Christmas like I think I just like I I just sort of like that like this this film really captures how sort of beautiful this old English Christmas is. Right. It is sort of objectively and it's it's quite natural. It's like a very natural Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Like it captures like. Like, it's weird that, like, the other time or time and place I think about Christmas is, like, present-day New York. Because, like, both of them are, like, beautiful but grimy. They're rough around the edges, but, like, putting all this tinsel and silver and light on it just makes it the most radiant, beautiful thing you've ever seen. I think that's a really interesting point. I also like the Victorian elements because, like, again... Like, I think people are expecting a comedy. It's like, no, the dramatic scenes, like, work. The bits where... Carrie is doing like Victorian drama mm-hmm. like this bit where he's talking to his betrothed and she's like I release you I'm like it's just really well acted right yeah and I think that's the interesting thing like like okay I don't like Polar Express I think Polar Express is just bad but mm-hmm. this and Beowulf I'm like these are really good scripts and really good performances and if people could just get past the damn like motion, motion capture, capture I think yeah. they would at least appreciate mm-hmm. like that this is like 
like it's almost like like it's almost like black box theater because right. it's like all these actors in a little room with a bunch of dots on their bodies being like imagine this world play in this space that is exactly you know the last time i watched the film like a couple of days ago i was like yeah i feel like i'm watching classic theater when in the beginning of the film when he's in his office and his nephew comes and like the two men that come to ask for the donation like this scene mm-hmm. of just these characters moving in and out and like when his nephew was making this grand speech about christmas i'm like these are like real actors like right. doing this craft this feels like a craft Yes, and it's more impressive because it's like, again, they're in a room with a bunch of boxes and a bunch of, <laughs> with like, Sharpie on their face. not period accurate table. Yeah, with Sharpie on their face being told, like, oh, this thing will be here, this thing will be this here. This is how you're dressed. Uh, do you want to see, like, yeah, this is how you're going to look. It's cold as like, fuck, by the way. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, also factor <laughs> in that it's, you know, you're still using coal furnaces at this point, so, like, it's not going to be very warm. Right. Also, you might have dysentery or, like, seven other diseases because, like, fuck okay. me, we're still working on, like germ theory wait can we appreciate that this film actually captures how hard and awful life would have been in this time and that like each person in this movie even the ones that look wealthy like look ill sickly yes (laughs) i i agree completely everyone looks unwell (laughs) and i kind of love it at at any given moment you're inhaling lead mercury and coal your brain is slowly rotting like all your food is gross i and like i like that they acknowledge that right these scripts He's like, oh, you might not be real. I might have just eaten something bad, and I'm tripping out here, man. <laughs> exactly. Like, zoid scoop. He's like, I don't need I to worry about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, eating... fine. I'm, like, eating a hot pot of lint over here. Yeah, I'll throw <laughs> up in the morning and feel way better, I promise. There's this moment when he's, like, after Marley leaves him, and he's, like, in his bed in the middle of the night, like, terrified... Where, like, he, like, pulls the cover down and all, you see, like, all the steam come out of his breath. And I'm like, oh, people slept in, like, frigid temperatures. You could just die in the right. middle of the night. <laughs> you could just freeze to death. Right. And I will say, in the defense of Dickens, that, who I just pooped on earlier, he is he was very good at capturing the time. And this right. film, honestly, one of my favorite scenes is the opening scene. Where also I was like, crap, am I going to have to eat? Like, am I going to have to come <laughs> with my tail between my legs? Because just that we open on a corpse. Well, I love that they do, like, the sort of sketchy portrait version of it and then cut to the real thing where you're just like, like ugh, that's go back body. to the cel-shaded. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's, again, it's this weird comedy of manners where he has to tip this guy, but because, like, I, what an incredible scene in terms of, like, characterizing someone. Like, yeah. you know, we've seen a hundred Scrooges at this point, and yet I've never seen a version of Scrooge who straight up steals the, like, the <laughs> pence off a guy's eyes because he's like, I'm making my money back from this. Right, yeah. And he makes he makes the idea of handing somebody money look terrifying. Like, that's the first instance yeah. of horror. Where Physically you're like, grueling. That's awful, yeah. And it's like, first of all, it characterizes both Scrooge and Marley and that the only person that can come claim Marley's body in this life is Scrooge. Right. Like, that's got to speak like, to how he, they live their yeah, lives. That's why he's a ghost. Yeah, that's <laughs> his whole thing. He's like, yeah, you're the only person I knew right. and it ruined my life. Exactly. Like, I, I am literally trying to save you from this exact same thing happening. Except you don't have me anymore. No one's going to come claim you. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, we... We already... Okay, we, we already briefly touched on, like, some more negatives, but, like, Give me a couple more. Like, we, we just went through the film of your positives. Like, what parts going through where you're like, are you kind of cringing at? Even um, I have a few. Yeah, I mean, again, sometimes the tonal whiplash. 
Like, sometimes you feel like they want it to be more of, like, Jim Carrey comedy, and you feel him, like, trying to make it funny, and -hmm. it just does not work. Like, the moments that I think work that are funny are the moments where you're, like, a little freaked out. Like, (laughs) I will say, to the film's credit, it does accurately depict, like, yeah, this guy you've known as a complete screw, like, an asshole for his entire life is suddenly, like, jumping around cheery as can be. It would You'd freak out. Be weird. Uh... You're like, literally, insane. everyone he's suddenly nice to gives him a look like, what the hell? Am I sick? Doing? Yeah. <laughs> Is this a bit? Yeah, am I hallucinating? But, like, for example, there's, like, the poop joke where he's like, ugh, Christmas pudding, I presume. And I'm like, there's a handful of moments like that <laughs> where they're just trying to make jokes, like, more modern jokes, and it just does not click. Um, not even the it, one where he's, like, shouting to Mrs. Um, Duber, and he's like, you're fired. I always thought that was funny. All right, that one's a little funny, but, <laughs> but yeah, like that whole, I like like some of the stuff like that, like a lot of the physical comedy for me just doesn't work because right. it gets to that roller coasteriness where I'm like, you're getting to, again, you want to play with the toys too much and you're losing yourself in the sort of like you're losing yourself in like oh I can move the camera anywhere and it's like, mm-hmm. yes, but that doesn't mean you should again. Like, I like the parts where we're just in a room and it's good actors acting. Please right. stop. He doesn't need to have his face hit by 17 different icicles right now. Like, we were right. something there. <laughs> like, that, like, the first time we see Ghost of Christmas Past or Future as, like, a cool shadow, that's cool. It's slightly less cool when he's riding, a, like, a carriage and Scrooge is, like, surfboarding on an icicle. Yeah. Right, yeah. There's a lot of that scene that just truly feels like we gotta fill up some time here and... Right, it's like, right, this was in 3D. Right, yeah, 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 we have to appeal to that. Yeah, like, this is one of the early... Like, Polar Express really popularized the real D 3D thing. Like, these movies weirdly come at a time when we were transitioning to, like, the dark shade glasses as opposed to, like, the bullshit was that? Yeah, it is kind of wild how quickly that came and went. Right. And that's actually kind of a point I wanted to make really quick before we get to some of the things you don't like about it. Um, Mm. I do think what really hurts this film more than anything, other than Disney kind of just giving up on it and not making enough money to justify it, Mm -hmm. like, they clearly envision this as like, oh, this will be our movie we have in theaters every Christmas. That'll be Mm. our thing. But then because it made some money and also didn't get great reviews, I think they're just like, ugh. And then they ended up getting Home Alone in the Fox acquisition, so. But anyway, and we were talking about this. Literally a month after this comes out, James Cameron's Avatar is released in theaters, which is using the same technology, um, but it looks like from a complete, like, decades ahead. Mm -hmm. And it does have this energy of James Cameron being like, Oh, look at little Bobby Z. Look at this boy How playing with cute. his toys. Yeah. Here's what a man does with this technology. <laughs> right. Um, which weirdly works for James Cameron because he seems like a bit of a bully. He's simultaneously yeah. a bully, but also a nerd who's into undersea diving and is like obsessed <laughs> with the Titanic. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that hurts the film so much because it's like, well, all right, James Cameron is always on the cutting edge. This, like, for the time, Polar Express and, uh, you know, uh, Christmas Carol were pretty advanced. Like, right. again, if you look at, like, what the PlayStation 3 was capable at the time, right. it was pretty on par. Yeah. Whereas now, like, we've, like, literally, we've only just gotten to the point in game history where it's like, oh, photorealism can work. Yeah. Um, 
So it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like we need to grade it a little bit on a curve. But I'm curious, like, what are some of the things for you that you're not as hot on with this movie? You know, I... Um, there were some instances where I feel like I could tell that they have a cast of maybe five sort of background extras that were sort of recycled right. through, like, every single character that needed to be filled in in terms of vo- vocal hmm. performance. And there were, like... Um, even, like, that scene with his with Scrooge, like, his little sister coming to get him... I, I found that performance to be a little, like, corny, cheesy for me. I also think a lot of the Tiny Tim stuff is sort of corny. Maybe it's supposed, like, not that it would be anything else, but, like, I sort of tend to, like, roll my eyes at the, like, God bless us. Like, I sort of hate, like, the cheesy Cogni stuff. Even though it's right. it's sort of a part of it, there's kind of not a lot of way around it. But, like, it feels it, extra in photorealism. It feels extra, like, oh, no thank you. It is difficult that, like, the emotional core of this plot is a little child who's dying. Mm-hmm. But then you, in, like, but then when you depict it on stage or in movies, it's like, shoot, we need a kid actor who's really, really good. Right. Again, that's why the Muppets have the advantage, because it's like, no, it's just a felt frog. Look right. how fucking dumb this is. It's a little <laughs> right. baby felt frog. Look at this guy. That's good enough. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and? Yes. And yeah, and just like Polar Express, where, you know, we talk a lot about the Steven Tyler elf scene in yes. Polar Express. And, you know, for me, that the, like, I feel completely ripped out of the reality of, of this world during the Fezziwig dancing scene. Yes. It feels Shrekky in its cartoonish, like, do you know what I mean by that? Like, it feels Shrekky. Right. It, it feels completely uninspired in the sense of, like, I do think this film, at its best, has an incredible grasp on, like, tone and mood and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know, for that scene, why you chose to make it like that. It'd be one thing yeah. if all of the scenes in the past were like this, where it's like, oh, this is, like, him having a fanciful time. reimagining of what his time was, like, growing up. Right. But no, all the other scenes are played completely straight. And that's good, yeah. because they're emotionally relevant, like, emotionally impactful scenes right but then it just makes this one thing really fucking weird and it's strange because when they arrive there it's the most alive that scrooge becomes as a character when he remembers where he is and he sees himself and dick wilkerson and fezziwig alive he has this moment where he's like oh my god it's him like he's brought back to his youth and we see this old man like look like different than he has in this whole film mm-hmm. it's clear that this place is so is a, an emotional anchor point for him and it feels kind of trashed <laughs> when they right. start dancing like that i don't get when, it when like people are suddenly leaping around and right. that's actually which is a shame because i do love the joke that the fiddler goes so hard <laughs> he passes out directly into a bowl of booze right exactly because again that's a very like it has again it's another example of like the victorian atmosphere of like oh yeah they're all blasted right now right exactly like none of them are well enough like all of their car keys would have to get taken away exactly yeah um and yeah i mean that scene is in the embodiment of like this era of like like this whole era of zemeckis polar express and on it really is just the embodiment of like kind of i don't want to say where things went wrong but where things went wrong Mm -hmm. where it's like like 
he's a very good emotional storyteller who can do, like, big emotional sweeping things. Like, in a lot of ways, he is similar to James Cameron in the sense of, like, he's a guy who can make big, loud movies with a lot of heart and soul. But whereas James Cameron knows the time and place to break out, like, the confetti, Robert Zemeckis never knows when it's time to break right. out the confetti. <laughs> he always picks the exact worst time. Lest right. we forget the scene in Welcome to Morrowind where uh, Steve Carell's it. Are you familiar with the plot at all? I stayed away from that thing. I wanted no part of okay. it. Shortest version possible. Uh, Steve Carell plays um, this guy who... Isn't he like, like a veteran a or he like gets injured or something? Or Yes, he's a veteran. He's a cross-dresser. He cross-dresses at a bar. One, well, he just wears women's shoes. It's not full cross-dressing. Anyway, he goes to a bar. A bunch of skinheads are like, oh, look at this freak and beat him up to the point that he loses most of his memories. And his way of coping is creating a little diorama, like a fake World War II village in his uh, backyard. And that's mm. like the mocap scenes, like imagining the right. world. Um, it's based on a documentary that's actually very good. Um, but anyway, so he has to go to court because they're like, you know, they're charging these guys for assault. Right. And he starts, and like, it's a good scene because he's like having a panic attack. But then Robert Zemeckis goes, you know what would be great? If Steve Carell imagined one of his Nazi dolls coming to life, marching into the room, and shooting everyone. And you're like, Bobby, no, no down, no, that stop. W- that Put the confetti cannon away. That Put it be away. Good. No. I'm taking this away from you. Yeah, bullying is useful sometimes, right? Yeah, I'm putting this on top of the fridge until you're mature enough to handle it, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, literally, if you just cut out the fizzy wig scene and some of the more elaborate chase sequences... I really right. do feel like I'd be like that's a genuinely good movie. The scene the where he like just, yeah goes to the moon where I'm like yeah mm, I can't Why make sense of this. This really feels like a scene that's just for the 3D. Yeah, yeah, exactly because I'm like even even from the viewpoint that like oh the point of the ghost is that he's supposed to get beat up a little bit. <laughs> like but yeah, it's supposed to get roughed it, up a little bit. I feel like really only the ghost of Christmas future is the one that like roughs him up <laughs> like Either right. way, like the yeah, the scene of him like flying into space certainly never needs to happen. And it and like e- even though the part of him descending back to earth is genuinely terrifying, but right. As someone who gets very bad vertigo. Yes. Yeah. When you're like, "Oh shit, he's really going to like" and then he does make an impact like on his bedroom floor. It's right. it, they they do capture like the reality, like the physics of that a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, like, you know what's a good example of finding a middle ground for that stuff? Mm. When the Ghost of Christmas Present is about to die, and he lifts up his robe, and they're these two little kids, and, like, again, they're feeding back his lines from the charity thing. Right, are, like, there are there no, no more prisons? houses? Yeah. And it's like, on one hand, this is goofy, cra- crazy nonsense, but it works <laughs> because it fits in the tone of, like, grotesqueness and unease and... And literal like, gross stuff yeah it's gross yeah like and it works because it's like yeah again it fits because it, i'm like i'm uncomfortable i'm ca- like i'm feeling the emotion that this character is supposed to be feeling as this woman gets put in a straight jacket and, and she's just screaming her head off yeah like yeah can you like, imagine what people listening to us talk about this who have never seen this movie are probably right? thinking right? right now when we're just like yeah thinking the, about that we're like yeah the straight jacket and she just <laughs> Yeah, like that bit with fizzy wig where the large-breasted women just and the flies guy through the are air, 
jumping, yeah, literally twirling a hundred times in the air. <laughs> yes, for they're, those of you... And they're like, wait, is this based off the Dickens book? Yeah, this is based off the Dickens book, and this is all in the same film. <laughs> all, everything yeah. we've talked about today I mean, is in look, the same Dickens film. did a lot of opium. Yes, and again, that's, I think, like... I definitely think this film should be reappraised because I do think there's a lot of interesting stuff here that's worth discussing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I can't justify how all of this stuff is in the same film. Right. <laughs> like, I'm curious, like, is this a film you watch every year? Like, is this a holiday staple for you? 100%. I start watching Not this... Not just a film you like. I, I start watching this in October, like, as I'm, like, gearing really? up for this time. Because this is, like... This is just like Nightmare Before Christmas, where, like, is it a Halloween film? Is it a Christmas film? The answer is yes. Like, <laughs> it's scary. I, yes, this is a, this is a comfort movie for me, which is, which is insane to say that this is, like, my comfort. I'm, I fall asleep watching this, like, I. But at the same time, if you know her, like, right. like, we're best friends. I feel like that's pretty obvious at this point, Kim and we've done, like, 40 right. episodes, but, like, we're best friends. So, right. like, for me, I'm like, yes. Yeah, that's something Sydney would say. And I, what did I say to you? I was like, before you watch this, please note that this is the favorite. Yeah, this this is like a favorite holiday movie of a girl that prefers Halloween over Christmas. Yes. Well, I was gonna say if you could comment on that a little bit when you were selling me right. on this film, like you described it as like this is a Christmas movie for spooky season gals. Yes, exactly. Because I, you know me, like. I love weird shit. Like, I love things that are, and and this is this is like horror, quote unquote, for someone that doesn't really like horror at all. Like, mm-hmm. I am not one to sit down and watch a, a horror film, a traditional horror film, but this feels like accessible, like unnerving. Like for some reason, like un unnerving, just plain weird stuff, is like the level of scary that I can do, and. It's right. just, it, I was immediately sold on this film um, because I just get such a kick out of, I, I don't know, like, I, I just find so much comfort weirdly. But I'm, but like, is there any sense in spooky gals? Like, we're, we're spooky gals for a reason because we like things that are uncomfortable as hell. Right, you know? right. And so for me, yeah, all of the weird parts were like the door knocker jump scare like what the fuck is that like this is supposed to be a like i think i just you know i i i mentioned to you like a day or so ago about how this sort of like deconstructs the church (laughs) and as somebody with a lot of religious trauma i like fucking like mocking the church but and and this this film and the book kind of really openly mock the absurdity of like the tradition of the church and it's 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 christmas ideals and traditions and so for this to be a christmas movie and it just begin with a jump scare of a door knocker that like opens its fucking eyes and mouth and like ah like that's awful and i love that like i am sold like i i'm sold like um i just can't i can't get over it i love a good ghost story I don't know what else to say. And I just, and I'm also a history nerd. Like, I love this period of time. I love this period in, like, fashion history. There's something slightly romantic about about this period of time where you died when you were 35 years old. 
you know, like, right. I, 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 it's got a combination of like, yeah, like it's, it's, it is the combination of like a lot of my favorite things, which is like old English history and horror. And it, I also get to sort of enjoy Christmas as someone that's like, I'm not a Christmas hater, but like Christmas has never really fully done it for me. And like, this is my gateway drug into Christmas. Right. I do think I, it's funny you can't mention the, like, uh, well, you mentioned the point of, like, yeah, there's something weirdly beautiful about this era, and it, like, it really is, like, there's sort of, like, this sweeping romance to everything, but at the same time, it's like, oh, if your cook was, like, bleeding a little bit, or... Or like, drinking heavily. Great, yeah, suddenly you're dead, you're hallucinating <laughs> and dying in an alley. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's, honestly, I think that is one of the biggest sells. It's a Christmas movie that works if you don't like Christmas. Right. But it also works if you do like Christmas. And I'm just going to say, like, I feel like Polar Express, that's the one people tend to be nice of, of this era of Zemeckis. It tends to be the one where it's like, oh, yeah, we like that movie. We watch that movie every people Christmas. People really love Polar Express. But I'm like, I'd rather watch this one a hundred times before mm-hmm. I even considered switching over. Because I'm like, this one is weird and interesting. And it's entertaining. Like, you know, it's not like one's entertaining, one isn't. No, this is entertaining. Even though that I right. rolled my eyes at the chase scenes, I'm like, well, at least they're visually compound. Like, right. again, this was not the time for a confetti cannon, but, like, at least, you know, I- at least the confetti is a fun and pleasing color to look at. Right. And, you know, like, I the thing I love about, like, a film that is just wall-to-wall motion capture, it as the perspective of, like, an actor... Is like yeah, we're we're getting to watch these like, like uh, Colin Farrell, um, you know, like these like these actors that are like classically trained do their thing, just like uninterrupted. Right. And Again, something is like, so great about that. As much as this technology is bagged on now, or at least this version of the technology, because mm-hmm. I do think, and Robert Zemeckis made this point while he was working. He's like, look, I'm gonna take some lumps for this, and it's gonna be rough around the edges, but at the if I can add this tool to every other director's toolbox, then I did my job. Like, I used my platform well. Mm-hmm. And I got to respect that as, like, look, if you're a director of a certain amount of clout, you kind of have a responsibility to improve the art form for everyone. Like, if you can experiment with new technologies and, like, not lose your status as a director, yeah, like, you know, you kind of owe it to yours. You know, you owe it to people. And at the same time, I can see why actors were genuinely excited on these projects. Because, like, you know, regardless of how the end product looks, being told, like, you can be as big as you want, you can be as small as you want, you can do whatever, you're literally in a, you have an, you're Spongebob and Patrick sitting in a box imagining whatever the hell you feel like today. Exactly. Like, and at the best parts of this, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, they're getting it. This is is. working. Like, this is clicking. Right. I'm, I am being affected by a man on a stage playing play pretend. Right. Yeah, that that's the best way to describe it. There are moments of genuine clickiness of like, oh yeah, it's flowing, it's clicking. Like these people are really in their pocket right now. Right. Like these people showed up to tell the story of a Christmas carol and they are doing it. Right. Yeah. Um and yeah, if there was I guess if there was one thing you would want people to take away from this episode, what would it be? Um that you don't have to like it, but you absolutely have to see it. <laughs> you, this is uh, you have to see it to believe it 
film. And, like, you know what, you said this earlier of, like, I am best known for, like, just saying surprising-ass things and, and not really knowing what to expect from me. And this is why I would recommend this movie to somebody, because I'm like, yeah, just go find out for yourself. Like, I want people to go into this as a Christmas horror film. Right. And I do think, and I think that's, like, if I was going to make two points on this movie overall, it's one. Again, I get frustrated when there's a group think on movies, especially, like, it's weird because the next movie, the next Avatar movie is coming out, and apparently it's great. And all these people who spent month, who spent years being like, ugh, Avatar, no one remembers that. No one right. cares about that. Are probably going to have to eat crow when it makes another $2 billion. Right. Um, it'll probably make a billion and a half from China alone. Right. But, like, it's the fact that so many people don't see these movies that they're like, oh, these are bad. You know, the group says this is bad, so I'll say it's bad, even though I haven't seen it. And I was guilty of that. I was in that group. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you owe it to yourself to at least give movies a chance to so even if you end up thinking what everyone thinks and thinking it sucks at least you'll come from an informed stance and also i think i think this movie is horrifically underrated based on classification i think people had certain expectations for jim carrey's disney's a christmas carol right and because it wasn't that they just couldn't engage it was dismissed yeah like I, I think this is one of, like, this feels like a classic literary discussion where it's like, well, what if we examine it through this critical lens instead? It's right. actually very interesting. And I would encourage people, as someone who didn't want to give this movie a chance, to look at it, yeah, as a horror movie, as, like, a ghost movie. And I think you'll find a lot of really cool stuff in this. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, like, I... Even though I'm I'm used to kind of like standing alone on on some of my preferences in terms of art, it does make me happy that you don't totally hate this movie. <laughs> at least not anymore. Oh yeah, like or at I least like, that you can see why it appeals to me. Yes. Well, one because I know you very well. Right. But also, like, I was playing with house money for this episode because either I'd hate it and we'd have a heated debate and we'd finally have an episode where we completely disagree on something. Right. Or I would be excited because I'd have a new movie that's interesting to talk about. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, after our talk today, I feel like you and I are, are actually mostly on the same page about this film. Um, right. It's just one that I happen to return to all the time. But it seems like we have a lot of the same points of like, yeah, this needs a lot of work, but this is good and that is good and that is good, you know? I mean, that's why we're the best in the game, you know? Hey, there's no denying. <laughs> and until we carry on this holiday season <laughs> with a renewed spirit for Christmas... And no, wait, I know to... what I want to do. I want to read a quote from the book. That I, Of course I have the book right here. <laughs> that's actually kind of awesome. I genuinely appreciate that. <laughs> this is my favorite line from well, the film. And that happens to be in the book. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, before you read that, I will say, I genuinely appreciate that this, like, I think something that's underrated about Christmas Carol, it's not like the Grinch where it's like, learn to appreciate Christmas, damn it, why are you being such a grump? Enjoy right. this stressful holiday. It's, no, he needs to be a better person. Yeah. And it just happens to be facilitated through this time of it sentimentality. It just happens to be December right now. They could have done this at any time. It right. just happens to be like, oh, yeah. At this time of, like, strong emotions and sentimentality are when ghosts decide to play. Exactly. Right. 
Okay, this is a quote from the Ghost of Christmas Present. Now, keep in mind, this is what I was telling you about this film and the story sort of like mocking and kind of kicking dirt up in the face of the church when Scrooge uh, questions the ghost about why it is the law for resources that the poor use and rely on to live, why they are mandatory to close on the weekend or close on a Sunday. And the ghost says, There are some upon this earth of yours, returned the spirit, who lay claim to know us, and who do their deeds of passion, pride, ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name, who are as strange to us and all our kith and kin as if they had never lived. Remember that, and charge their doings on themselves, not us. Maybe I was a little hard on Dickens. <laughs> yeah, right? He gets it. He's doing drugs, but he gets it. He was blitzed on opium 99% of the time. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> and on that but, note, dear listeners. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. God bless us, everyone. Beautiful. Perfect. Nailed it. Put me in this foot. Add me to this movie, damn it. I'm yeah. coming for you, Zemeckis. We could do this. Reshoot this movie. Right. <laughs> you coward. The Disney Desk is written produced and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.